We're going to go to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. We're going to start a brand new conversation today that's going to take us a few weeks to do, but I'm excited. I want to have this conversation in a response to what God has been speaking to us lately, what's been, what we've been experiencing lately. Many of you have been a part of a couple of the Wednesday night conversations during adult Bible study. Many of you were here for a couple of different panels of guests that have been here to share about what's happening in our community, about what's happening in our area, our region, and even what's happening around the world. So if you've been here for that, how many, how many feel like you've gained some awareness? How many feel like you're being challenged to be more attentive to the people around you, huh? I, I just am amazed at what God's doing. So part of this today is a response to all that God's been doing and saying, and it's going to be ongoing here for a few weeks. Would you stand with me for just a moment? And we're going to read from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We'll probably reference this multiple times throughout these few weeks, but we're going to start here and then share from this point today. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, this was a celebration of the Jewish people and it was significant of being 50 days after Jesus' ascension back to heaven. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. All the early believers of Jesus, followers of Jesus were together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Just so you know, this week we had our sprinkler system checked, so if that happens, you're all going to get wet. So, all of them, somebody say all, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Would you pray with me today? Father, we just thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. We believe uh, even these last few weeks have been strategically led of the Holy Spirit. We believe, oh God, that you are speaking to us. You are challenging us. You're, You're pushing us out of our comfort zones and into the world around us to be who you really have called us to be. And so I just pray that today, this conversation that we're starting would just continue to emphasize and lead us in that direction you want us to go. God, I thank you for each person here today. I pray if they are dealing with different circumstances that you would meet those needs, that those things would not be distractions in these moments, but that your Holy Spirit would drive home the things you want to say to each of us today. And I just trust, God, we would make much of you in these moments and we would sense your presence and we would sense that you are speaking to us right now. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You can be seated. We hadn't done it in a while. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you sure look good this morning. So let me set the stage just a little bit for what's happening here in Acts chapter 2. Perhaps you're new to this portion of Scripture in particular. By this point, Jesus had lived on earth for 30 years, then ministered for three and a half years. He died a criminal's death on a criminal's cross despite being innocent of all crimes, but he did it because it was the plan of God so that he could bear all the sins and all the sin issues of every member of humanity. On the third day, Jesus rose again, the only one who's ever gone in the tomb to rise again the way he did. 
And in the next 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared to many, many people, including the immediate 12 disciples and many other people who were following Jesus during his earthly ministry. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians that Jesus even appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Some would say that that was the ascension moment as he was going back to heaven. Jesus prepared the disciples. Even before he died on the cross and rose again, Jesus prepared the disciples that Jesus was going to be going back to heaven. He was going to sit down at the right hand of the Father because his work, his mission would be finished, but his work on earth in the sense of the ongoing fruitfulness from what he had already done was going to continue. So before Jesus went back to heaven, he revealed his plan for what would happen on earth. Back up a chapter, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, speaking of John the Baptist baptizing people in water, but in a few days you will be baptized or immersed with or in the Holy Spirit. And a few verses later, after the disciples were a little confused about Jesus and wondering if he was going to set up this earthly kingdom and overthrow the Roman government and rise or raise Israel back to this place of prominence, Jesus said, it's not for you to worry about all the times and the dates and how everything's going to happen. Here's what you need to be focused on. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Someone say, witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's home. In all Judea and Samaria, that's into the regions around them, and then to the ends of the earth. Here's what Jesus was saying. I have a gift for you. I'm going to give you this gift. And when I give you this gift, you're going to receive power. Uh, The word in the Greek is uh, dunamis, power. It's where we get the word dynamite. You know what dynamite is. It blows things up pretty crazy, huh? You will receive this dynamite power, and this power is going to enable you to continue my work on earth, representing me to all people. I'm not going to be with you. And the disciples struggled with that. They had a hard time with this idea that Jesus would no longer physically be present with them. But he said, don't worry. I'm going to send you a comforter, a helper, an advocate. I'm going to send you an intercessor. I'm going to send you the one who will strengthen you and lead you into all truth and help you remember everything I've taught you and even reveal more of what he hears from me, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's going to live in you and who's going to empower you. And in that empowerment, you're going to continue my work even though I may not be physically present on earth. Acts chapter 2 that we read a moment ago was the beginning, just the beginning of that fulfillment. Acts chapter 2 was the birth of the church. Now when we say the church, we're not just referring to one local address of people. We're not just talking about EPAG. When we talk about the church with the capital C, we're talking about all believers from all time, from every place. Today, even right now, the church 
consists of Jesus followers all over the globe. We call it the global church or the universal church. We're part of EPAG, but we're also part of the universal church. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that are this morning have already worshipped in Africa and in India and in China and places all over the globe in every time zone. Jesus did die on the cross so that every individual's personal sin would be forgiven and every individual person would be freed from the power of sin. But Jesus also died so that all of those who would respond would all become part of the body of Christ, God's family, and would collectively form the church. Look at Jesus' words and even his prayers before he was crucified and before he ascended back to heaven. John chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. Okay, Jesus has just spent time praying over these early disciples that were on the journey with him. And Jesus says to the Father, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. It's this idea that people of every tribe and every language of every moment throughout history would be centered around the same person and work of Jesus Christ. And they would all come together in unity with one central focus, Jesus Christ. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So people are going to believe the message of Jesus. They're going to be saved as a result of their faith in Him by grace. They're going to come together and form what may not be as visible to us all the time, but this body of Christ, this global universal church of people who are all going to love one another and represent Christ so that the world, those who aren't saved, will also recognize who Jesus is. Now Peter wrote it this way, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, that's speaking of us, are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. And we'll talk more about what it means to be a, a priest in the new covenant with Jesus later in this conversation. You are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. A few verses later, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood or a group of priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Notice it. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Why? How can you do so? For he called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, his wonderful light. 
The premise is this. God is bringing all of these people together who will respond to the truth about Him, who will worship Him, who will follow Him, who will give their lives. And because He has saved us and we've experienced His goodness, we now can help other people experience His goodness as we're on this journey. So in Acts chapter 2, the church was born. And it was with that mission This idea that those who follow Jesus would then inspire other people to follow Jesus. And I want to declare to you today that the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. The church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. The church is the answer for the search that people are on in this world. The church is the answer for love and compassion to be shown in this world. The church is the answer for the truth that is so desperately needed in our world. I would declare to you today that the gospel is the hope of the world. The church then is the hope of the gospel. The gospel is what people need to hear. Jesus is the one that people need to know. But if they're going to know Jesus and they're going to hear the truth of the gospel, it's going to be you and I, God's plan A, the church, who takes that message to the world around us. If the world is going to know God, if the world is going to hear the good news about Jesus, if lives are going to be changed with eternal significance, it's going to be you and I. It's going to be the church that does the work. Is it okay if I preach just a touch this morning? You and I, as part of this local church and part of the universal church, are the plan for the ongoing ministry of Jesus on this earth. We're the plan. We're the way. We represent and represent Jesus to the people in our families, to the neighbors around us, to the co-workers in our workplaces, to our cities, to our nation, and to every tribe and tongue in the world. May this settle in you today. May you grab a hold of the significance of what we're talking about when we talk about being the church. Because if it's not the church, then who? If it's not you and I, then who? If people are going to experience freedom and the church is silent, how will they ever know that freedom? Who would offer the solutions to the greatest needs of humanity? Who would be the hands and feet of Jesus to meet the needs of people in tangible ways? Who would do the work of the ministry of Jesus? There is no other option. There is no other way. There is no plan B. The church is the living, breathing, empowered organism, the people who are commissioned to to change this world for the cause of Jesus Christ. So what is our response to being God's plan as the church? Well, let's focus for just a moment on the reality that Christ is the head of the church. That's important for us to remember. Have you ever been to a restaurant or a local business and on the door it will say something like owned and operated by and whatever the name of the person or family is. Typically what happens in those, those businesses is that that person owns it, but then they also spend a lot of their time 
operating the business, hands-on approach. They didn't just buy or start the business and then walk away and just entrust everything else to someone else. They are involved in operating the business by overseeing and guiding all that happens. We have people who are part of this EPAG community who have started or purchased a business and they own it, but they also operate it. They give much of their time to oversee and to guide everything that happens. When we talk about Jesus Christ being the head of the church, we need to remember that the church is owned and operated by Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is the first in everything. So what does that mean for us? To understand that there is a head of the church, there is a leader of the church, it is owned and operated by Christ. Well, first it means that the true church will thrive and succeed because there is no power greater than the one head of the church, Jesus Christ, who is over us. That's why he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. My emphasis added. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's not because in ourselves we have the power. That's not because in ourselves we have it all figured out. That's when the true church recognizes every day of our lives that we need Jesus. That he's the head. That we're following him. That his power needs to be at work in our lives. And when we are surrendered to his plan as part of his church the gates of hell itself cannot stand against what God wants to do. It may be dark. It may be seemingly hopeless. There may be struggles in this world. But when we are following Jesus, He has promised His power to be at work and the Holy Spirit will raise us up to go forth in this world in authority and the very gates of hell cannot conquer His true church. I didn't preach last week. <laughs> and this is just my first cup of coffee. It means that our response is to seek Christ for what His plan is to be known through us. We don't need a new plan. We don't need our preferences to dictate what happens even in the local church level. The church doesn't need another king. We already have one. Our assistant general superintendent said this, our role is to be the church rather than to control a church. Our role is to be the church rather than to control a church. Jesus has all authority. He's trusting all of his authority to us. He is the king. And he entrusts that authority to us so that we then will follow his plan, not create our own way of doing things. So our, our response to recognizing he is the head of the church is to seek Jesus. I will say it for myself. My role as a pastor and shepherd of this church is not to do and dictate and live in a way that's just my opinion. 
The goal of any local church is not for a pastor to just dictate and live and do what is his or her opinion. The goal of every pastor and shepherd should be to seek the Lord, to find what needs to happen through hands and feet while he or she finds their time on their knees seeking God. There is no and will be no leading of the church divorced from seeking an ongoing audience with the King. Before I step foot behind this pulpit or any other moment to preach or teach, before we implement strategy to reach the lost or to disciple the saved and as we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry it will come because we've had an audience with Jesus and through him and his authority and power he will work through us and lead us it starts with me it continues with you we're in this together and we need to seek the head of the church that the church might function and operate the way the king intends for it to happen Our second response is him being the head of the church. We are to yield to and follow Jesus' plan together. Together, There are many ways in which Jesus has already spoken to his church. He's commanded and commissioned us for his work and his ministry. We'll reflect on those things of which we already know in the coming moments of this conversation. There are also creative strategies that he plants in our hearts to help see these plans become reality. And when we follow His will, His desires, His agenda, when we do what the King wants us to do, we will see Him do incredible things through us. The same guy I referenced a moment ago, who's one of our leaders in the Assemblies of God Fellowship, said this, When the church works, the world wins. When the church works, the world wins wins. We can't separate the reality that when we as the body of Christ are functioning the way God intends us to function, families are impacted, marriages are impacted, children and even generations of children and grandchildren are impacted, communities are impacted, the lost are found, and the saved grow to become an active part of Jesus' work. When the church works, the world around us wins. No one can stay the same because we're taking the power of Jesus to the world around us. Now, on the screen today, you'll see a map of our home, the Twin Cities. Most of you may have been here for a number of years. Some of you may be new to the area for different reasons. But this is our map. This is our home. Historically, throughout the last number of decades, we have been strong in in giving to send boots on the ground to countries all over the world. In fact, in the last year, we ranked in the Assemblies of God Fellowship in the top 1-2% to of churches. Out of 13 plus thousand churches, we ranked in the top 1-2% to in missions giving to send people all over the world to tell people about Jesus. That's a good reason to celebrate today. Come on, let's give God some praise for that. But I can't separate the reality that when Jesus commissioned His church, He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. He did talk about the ends of the earth, but He also talked about their Jerusalem. This is our home. And while we won't pull away from what we're doing as part of our DNA to send people to other countries and especially to unreached people groups, we need to recognize that God has placed us and called us right here to make a difference in our own front yard.
The Twin Cities population is approaching 4 million people. I think it's around 3.69 million people currently. Bigger than Tampa, Florida. Bigger than San Diego, California. And just slightly smaller than Seattle. And did you know that right here in our front yard, there are 1,001 cult or sect or occult groups that meet in the Twin Cities? There are 345 known witch covens and groups that meet within the Twin Cities. There are 371 different temples, mosques, synagogues, and groups that meet in the Twin Cities, including Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. We're said to be the fourth largest homosexual community in the United States. We're the largest location of immigrant populations of multiple groups within the U.S. By 2043, they say of the Twin Cities that there will be no majority population any longer. And these are just a few of the numbers. They don't even capture the reality that we're living in a time of a shifting landscape with our political legislation that will actually open the state of Minnesota up to more and more people coming here. And this is just our portion of the world, I get that. There's need in so many places. But yet I can't separate the fact that God has positioned us right here, right now, right in this very moment, to make a difference in the part of the world we're living in. I challenge you today as we start this conversation. The church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. We're it. It's us. It's you and me. There is no plan B. There is no other group that's going to come along to influence this world. There is no other group of people that's going to be active in spreading the truth of Jesus Christ. There is no other group that's going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit the way Jesus promised. We're it. The church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. So today we've got to resolve in our hearts that we will not just be an idle part of the body of Christ that sits back and watches as people in our world are lost and in bondage. We will not be a people who just sit back silently and watch as things shift in the wrong direction. We will not be a people who become more selfish just like the culture around us and give only ourselves only to the things that consume us rather than recognizing that the other people around us every day need the same Jesus that you and I know. We cannot be. It's not just we aren't going to be. It's we cannot be. We are the hope of the gospel message getting to our world. We are the hope that co-workers and neighbors and family members and friends, can, their eternal destination can be changed. We are that hope of Jesus given to the world. We are the intention of God to reach people who don't know His heart and don't know His love and don't know His word. We are those people. We are are the church of the living God. 
we can stand firm without losing hope, anchored in Christ, understanding that because He is the head of who we are, we will stand firm no matter what happens in this life. And we also need to remember that we're intended to not just always be on the defensive. We're intended to be on the offensive, to go and to infiltrate. When I think about the promise of Jesus and how He said the gates of hell will not prevail, I think about these brick pillars and gates that lock in between them, really massive large gates that in typical neighborhoods you'd have to have a code to get in and I think about how the enemy has got people locked up and caged and in bondage but yet Jesus said if you're the true church and your faith is in me and my power is in you then you will be able to go forth and charge through the very gates of hell and the gates of hell will not be able to stop you I don't know that there's ever been a greater time that's needed in our world than right now for the church to rise and to be who God intended us to be. You may not feel it like I do, but God wants to do some powerful things through you, through me, through us, through His church. Let us rise and be the church He wants us to be you stand with me this morning all across the room I'm going to ask you to respond in a little bit different way today and I know for some you you may have to adjust as we're praying I totally understand that I, I won't ask you to do anything that's uncomfortable in that sense but I want to ask you to join hands with the people around you we have plenty of hand sanitizer around campus you can use it later I didn't see anyone pick their nose while we were talking. I got this visual preparing for this morning. And I just want to ask you to join with me in agreement. Could we lift our hands together? And could we just declare before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we are His church and we will follow His ways and we will be empowered and used of Him in every way He wants to. Jesus, we are yours. We are your church. The church of the living God. You are alive and well and you desire to work your power through us. Today we surrender to you. First, you are worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. For you have done for us what no one could do for us. You have made a way where there was no way. You brought hope to the hopeless. You brought power and freedom to those who were captive. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that the only reason we can declare we're part of the church today is because of what you did reaching down to us. Thank you, Lord. And now in response, O Lord, we will stand as your church. We will be a people who will fight in the power of the Holy Spirit to show the love and compassion this world needs to see, to also live full of grace and truth, to speak the good news of Jesus to the people around us. We will be the people, Lord, who will make a difference in this part of the world. We will be a people committed to serving you and your agenda and your plan and your will and your ways. We are a people, God, that ask for your empowering Holy Spirit to be at work in us like never before. In these dark days that we live, in these moments, O oh Lord, that can be very concerning. 
God, we ask you to rise in us, Holy Spirit, greater our flesh, less. Lord, that we would grow to be strong in you and in your mighty power, wearing the full armor of God and fighting forward in faith. And Lord, we would see neighbors, family members, friends, co-workers, and even strangers come to know you, Lord, because of what you do through us. We are yielded to your work, Lord Jesus. We will do, we will go, we will speak, we will listen and obey. We are your church. And we want to rise today to be who you've called us to be. Even now, would you empower your people, I pray. May we walk in that power and authority that is yours, that you entrust to us. And may we walk, oh God, as light and darkness. And may people see a difference in our lives as we represent you. Even now, O oh Lord, as we move from this moment, even now, as we've started this conversation, Lord, would you go before us and prepare hearts and prepare the way? Would you be at work in us, Lord, to not only refine us and to shape our lives, but to then help us to inspire others to follow you as well, O oh God? Would you work, Lord? For we need you. We need you. It's got to be you, Jesus. It's got to be your work through us. We yield to you as your church. You are the head of this body. And you will lead us and we will follow you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I just think in advance today, it would be appropriate for us to give God praise for all He's going to do. And all He's going to work. And every way, He's going to make a way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask our prayer team members to come. Make yourselves available. If you're here and today you have a need, there are people who will pray with you. This is part of being a part of the church. Part of being a part of a local church as a part of the universal church. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. Today, if you have needs, today, if you have just a, a conversation you need to have about what it means to follow Jesus, today there are people who will pray with you and who will minister to you. They're prepared to do so. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you, and I want to challenge us today to go and be the church that God wants us to be. Don't just come to church. Let's be the church that God wants us to be. Father, would you bless and keep your people and would you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction and grant them your peace. As we go from this moment, may we not forget who we are in you. And may we not forget how you want to use us, Lord. But may we walk in that power and authority. May we walk leaning into you, walking closely with you, O oh Lord. May we hear your spirit and obey. May we see many come to know you, Lord, even throughout these days ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you as you go today. Take advantage of the prayer team members if you need to. Have a great afternoon.